This entire series, if y'all were here last week, you heard this. I'm going to repeat it, and then I'm going to roll. This entire series is going to be teaching. Um, I got some preaching in me today, but it's going to be teaching. So if you missed last week, I'm asking you to go back and watch it because this is a tiny review. This is a tiny review, but this is the review. This that we are currently in used to be a paint shop, so everybody knows. And it is now a beautiful warehouse building that we make into a house of worship. But it is nothing more than that. This place is not more holy than, than the house that, you're, that you live in. Is everybody still okay? I hear people all the time say, I can't say a lie in here because the Lord will strike me down. This is the, this is the Lord's house. <laughs> I mean, that's cool, but it's just not true. It's not true. This place... Like, I remember um, when Lee and I were working at another church um, years ago. Goodness, it was not the church I worked at right before here. Um, it was the one prior to that. We got in trouble as student pastors for um, allowing someone to have a milkshake in the auditorium. <laughs> a milkshake. And someone had a hat on. I see a bunch of y'all sinners out there. Michael, I see y'all. see y'all a bunch of sinners. And the reason was because it's, it's, it's not spiritual that you, that you should be acting better. And I'm just telling you right now, I don't think God is nearly as interested in our spirituality as we believe he is. I believe God is very interested in one thing. It's what I came to tell you today. God's interested in us being us. What he designed and created us in Christ Jesus to be. I think this is the missing element. By the way, was worship not incredible so far today? So thankful. So thankful that I get to preach after that. Um, it's so hard not to live a performance-based life, especially in church, trying to outdo each other as if God's called us to preach better than somebody else to sing better than somebody else and not just do what we've been called to do, do our part, do our role, play it out as, as, as Mark Pangle. I don't have to be someone I'm not. I don't have to try to preach like somebody else. I don't have to try to be a daddy like somebody else. I just get to be, or husband, I get to be your husband, but I don't have to be a better husband than some. I just get to be me in Christ Jesus. It is so hard to accept that. It's so hard to be that. And that is why I believe it's so hard, watch this, for everybody out there to say, I want what you got. Because here's what they see, y'all. And by they, I mean the tens of millions, billions, billions and billions of people in, on this planet that don't know Jesus. Here's what I believe they would say if they could articulate it correctly. I'm not sure I want something that ain't real or it's fake. I'm not sure I want a counterfeit thing that I'm witnessing in my life. I get to watch them and I'm not sure they believe what they say. And I would just say to them that say that, I agree with you. But I don't either. I don't want the fake thing. I want the real thing. So today, we're going to do the real thing. Someone say real thing. We're going to do the real thing. And if we're going to do it big, we're going to do it big then. Come on, somebody. Say big then. Build the house. We, we talked about last week. This was the message. It was the introduction. And we talked about this. This is not a church. This is a house. 
that each gathering around the world is a house and that all of them together are the church. The church. The church. The church is the body of Christ. It is the corporate body. It is the, it is the fact that there are houses of worship all around us and that all of us together are the house of God or the, or the capital C church. And that we are a house. We, we each, we, we don't live in the same house literally, but this is our house. And it's awkward and it's frustrating and we got weird family members, we got weird uncles because we're weird. Come on, y'all. But just as a review, this, this is what the words mean. House is the word oikos. It's the Greek yogurt. Y'all remember that? It literally means dwelling place or house. And to be built or build is Oiko domeo. And it literally stands for or means in the Greek, metaphorically, it's the building up of character or integrity. The way that we build this house is each one of us in our integrity and our character in Christ Jesus are being built up together. Are being built up together. So here's the message today. Here's the message today. Today we're going to start building a house. Today we're going to look at the blueprint that we've been given and the materials that we're supposed to build with, and this is going to be fun. I'm just telling you, I'm so excited. I'm about to spit and sneeze and snot and get excited. So, I got to give you some background because I'm going to give you one verse, and it's going to be frustrating, but this is so important. Isaiah chapter 28. Isaiah chapter 28. Here's what's taking place in this chapter. The first part of Isaiah 28, Isaiah is describing for us why Jerusalem is falling, specifically why they're going to lose the temple. Because y'all just need to know that the temple was the most important place to Jewish people, to the Israelites, to God's chosen people. The temple, the church the, in that day was the place that you couldn't touch, that you could take the city, but you can't have the temple. And Isaiah describes in Isaiah 28 the rebellion against God, the rebellion, the rebellion, the rebellion. And then in verse 10 and 13, he says, this is how we're supposed to be building the temple. This is how we're supposed to be living our lives. This is what's supposed to take place. And by the way, this is our blueprint for building the house. He says this, look at this. It is precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, upon line, here a little and there a little. Then again, in, in, again excuse me, in verse 13, he says, the word of the Lord is precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little and there a little then this is what I need y'all to do. I need y'all this week to read Isaiah 28 in your free time, in your quiet time, in your prayer time, whatever. It's 29 verses. But the next verse after 13, verse 14 through 29, describes Jesus. It describes the cornerstone. It describes the one that's to come. Listen, whew, I'm gonna get ahead of myself, but this is so good. It describes the fact that the one that it should be built on, it wasn't really built on. That the rock that the house is supposed to be built on was not really the rock that it was about what we do. It was about how good we perform. It was about all these things. Listen to me. This is crazy. So, so in essence, God gave up the temple and said, I can't let it sit here. I can't let it stay like this anymore because I'm going to have to tear it down because I'm going to send the one true temple. And he's going to be torn down as well, but in three days, he's going to get back up. Whew. And so all this had to take place. Why? Because he didn't want to house the spirit of the living God in one place anymore. I'm looking at 
the house of the temple of God now. I'm looking at the Holy of Holies. It is inside of each one of you that know Jesus. I'm preaching good so far. Let's go. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 2. This is just giving us the blueprint. It's line upon line, precept upon precept, a little here, a little, and there, a little. And then he says in Ephesians 2, this is a review from last week, that we're no longer strangers and aliens. We're not foreigners. We're members of the household of God. You are fellow citizens and saints, members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets who declared who Jesus was, who had the revelation of who Jesus was, he himself being the cornerstone. Look at this. In whom the whole structure being joined together. This is what he's saying right here. And I'm going to preach this next week. It's the whole message. So I'm going to give it away, but it's good. That you can build the prettiest house that you ever wanted to, but if it don't have mortar, it's going to fall down. How many of y'all know that? I don't care how many blocks and bricks you got, if it don't have mortar to hold it together, if it don't have, if it doesn't have steel coming through it, if it doesn't have the stuff that holds things together, then you ain't got much. You just got a lot of pretty blocks. He said, Jesus is who holds all things together. And he grow, and, and together we grow into the temple of the Lord. In him you also are being, y'all say this together. It says, in him we're being built together? I thought I was being built up. See, this is the problem with the church. Whenever comparison begins to become what we are, and I'm including other churches, other houses, whenever I compare myself with anybody else, I'm not trying to be built together. I'm trying to be built tough myself. And I constantly live in comparison, which leads to a lot of other problems. And I can't just be good being me in Christ. I certainly don't care about you being built up. I care about you building me up. And I'm not worried about being a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. I ain't even worried about that. I need God to come rescue me and my problems. I need God to come get me out of this mess. I don't worry about the fact that what Shannon led us in this morning, that the new wine is being poured into me when I'm going through these difficulties that I can't comprehend and I don't understand and I didn't ask for it, I didn't call for it, I don't want it. But if I can have enough awareness to realize that these things are happening to me so that I can be built up together, then everything changes because this ain't about me. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not about me. Come on, say it. Say, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. So here's the blueprint, y'all. It's very simple. Here's the blueprint. Precepts. All that means is laws, by the way. It's just laws. It's just laws. In the Bible, the word precept or law means stone. It's pretty cool. We're going to hit that today a little bit. I don't know if y'all haven't picked up on this yet, but that's going to be a repetitive thing. But that's given for guidance. The line upon line, this is crazy, y'all. When I was studying this, I was like, holy crud. Because sometimes, I I might be the only one, but sometimes I ask this question, like, why do we do what we do? Why do we sing songs? Do we just do it because it's what you're supposed to do? No, 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 no. It literally says, in in my Hebrew definition, when I was studying line upon line, it's, it's like, it's measurement. Like in music, line After line, after line, after line, 
They didn't get up here and sing just now for our entertainment. It's to bring glory and honor to God, and it prepares our hearts line upon line upon line. When you're building a house, I know this is, this is rocket science. Y'all are going to be so blown away with my revelation right now. You don't build from the top down. You don't start at the middle. You go line upon line upon line upon line upon line. You start building, and you build your way up. This word precept, by the way, the literal definition is guidestone. If you don't have a guidestone to know if you're in the right place to get your measurement right to see, then we are in trouble. And so line upon line, guidestone upon guidestone for guidance. And then a lot of times we get frustrated because the house isn't being built fast enough. I'm not talking about the number of people in your church. I'm talking about in my life, maybe y'all aren't like this. Maybe y'all are just farther along than I am in, in, in your walk with the Lord. We can all be honest in here. We're family. Do y'all not ever look around and go, I swear to goodness, I thought I would be farther along than this. How am I still screwing up in this same way? Y'all are allowed to talk. It's good. Everybody needs to say yes right now. I'm talking to the 80-year-olds and the 20-year-olds. We all can say, and the, and the teen-year-olds. We all can say yes, because all of us look around and go, Dad, come and I thought I'd be farther. It's little by little. We need to stop beating ourselves up. Now, if we're going backwards, it ain't good. But there will be times that it looks like we're going backwards. Sometimes we built the lines of the house cockeyed. It's better to realize it now and tear down that line. Than to, keep, than to keep trying to build it off our own merit, than to keep trying to build it off how good we are. And we are built together. Someone say together. Yes. Why do we gather? We get together to gather so we can be built up together. That's why we do it. Jordan, you like that one? Thank you. That's why we do it. That's why, that's why Paul said, do not forsake the assembling of the saints. I hear people all the time say, it's, it's really not important to go to church. If you do it because you don't want God to be mad at you, then I'm going to agree with you. You don't need to come to church so God's not mad at you. He ain't mad at you. We do it to be built up together. We do it to encourage each other. We do it to be a part of the household of faith of God in Christ Jesus. We don't do it so God's not mad at us. He ain't mad if you didn't come this week. He didn't matter if you didn't come last week. But I'm going to bet you, I, I wish that you could find me somebody that's angry at the capital C church that's being built up in Christ Jesus because I've not found one yet. Oh, they might have the answers, but they don't understand the concepts that we're being built up together. That an individual is not the important one in Christ. That he does, listen to me, don't miss this, that he does specifically give offices and he does give responsibilities, but he's not looking at me with an office of pastor and going, man, thank God he would say this. Thank me that, that he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. Right? He's not up there going, Mark is the man. I'm glad they're listening to him because... Phew. Why? Because this is what I am. This is what I am. This is what you are. All of us are the same. We are all just a block of the house. We're all just a piece of the puzzle. 
We're all just part of the household of faith. We're all just part. We're all just part. And when we play our part unified together in Christ Jesus, Psalm 133 says that the commanded blessing lives on this house. Why does massive moves of God, I'm going to repeat this six weeks in a row, why do massive moves of God not take place all around the country and around the world in households of faith. It's not because they don't sing good. It's not because they don't preach good. There are preachers all around the world that are preaching unbelievable messages today and crickets are in the room because it is not about how good you preach. It's not about how good we perform. It's not about how good our lights are. It has literally nothing to do with that. And I believe whatever we do, we should do it all to the glory of God. We should do it with excellence. God cares about excellence. But we can do things excellently if we're not unified together as a body of believers. You can forget the hand of God being on the house. You can forget it. So, I just dropped a brick. That hurt. Just kidding. It's cardboard. So what are the materials for the house? Because that's really what the message is about today. What are the materials for the house? What is really being built together? 1 Peter chapter 2. This is where I'm going to preach. This is so good, y'all. I'm going to try not to get too excited because I want to be able to articulate this correctly. But I'm so excited. Oh, my goodness. I just can't get over how good this is. I need y'all to remember what I said about Isaiah chapter 28 that Jerusalem had jacked it up, that the people of Israel had jacked it up so bad that the, that the temple had to be given up, had to be torn down so that Jesus could come. And in three days, he was being torn down, but he would get back up. That the veil was being torn so that not just one high priest could enter the Holy of Holies and have access to the Spirit of God one time a year, but each one of us could have it. He literally gave instruction in the, in the second part of Isaiah 28 of what is to come when the true cornerstone would restore the temple. Now watch this. This is speaking of Jesus. As Jesus, as you come to Jesus, who is a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, he's chosen and precious. Watch this. You yourself like living stones. Do you see this? What Peter's saying right here? Are y'all awake? Yes. He didn't say he's, a, he, he's the living stone and you yourselves are just, just cats on the side that are watching the house be built. He said you, each one of us, all of us, every single person, every man, woman, and young person, it doesn't matter how old you are or young you are, he said you yourself are living stones. You yourself like living stones are being, watch this, this is crazy, being built up. Being built up as a spiritual house. This is where this stuff gets crazy, y'all. Because my whole life I've been asking this question. What's the point of church? Are we doing this right? What do you mean build the brotherhood? What are we building up? And then I have this revelation that God just shows me. As clear as I'm standing here, it's not like I'm coming up with new material. It's been in there since Peter wrote this. Look at your neighbor and say, it's been there. I ain't making it up. We ain't coming up with something new. Revelation is not coming up with something new. It's seeing in a different way. It's, it's the Holy Spirit showing you what's actually in there, not what you've always been taught necessarily. 
I'm talking to somebody in here. I don't know who it is. He said, you yourself are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Why is that important? Because up until this time, there was only one high priest. That one man was looked at, one man, not 10 men, not pastors in every church. One man was looked at as the holy priest. That the seed of Aaron was only one. The high priest was only one. But at this time, here's what he's saying. Is there an office of pastor? Of course there is. He gives some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, preachers, teachers. He gives some. He has an opportunity and an office calling for me to do this. But the priestly office is for each one of you that are in Christ Jesus. He said, all of you are being built up as living stones so that you can be the holy priesthood of God to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. What in the world is he talking about? Well, let me tell you. Before Jesus, only the high priest could give a sacrifice. That was the true sacrifice so that he could enter the holy of holies, so that he could enter. All that means is the place that God's spirit was, the dwelling of God. He's the one that had to make the sacrifice. Well, Paul describes this in, in Romans chapter 12. He said, I want you to offer you as the holy sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. You offer yourself, your bodies as living sacrifices. So these living stones, that is what I am. All I'm called to do to offer the sacrifice and be the holy priest that God's called me to be is just say, this is what I am. I'm offering it to you, God. I don't have to kill a bull. Thank goodness, because that'd be awkward. Come on, somebody. Man, kill him, dead, whatever, and then the blood and the guts and all the stuff and the burning, and I don't know what to burn. I don't know how many things I'm supposed to put on the altar. I don't know whatever. You? All you got to do is put you on it. I get so caught up in, I thought I'd be farther along than this. I thought that you, why didn't you give me better talent? Why didn't you give me better gifts? Why is this person better than this? Mark! Hello. I just want you to give me you. I want you to stop worrying about why your rock looks different than somebody else's rock, why you would paint your rock differently on the outside, why you wish that somebody could see what you are actually, why you wish you could have the, the acclaim that you think you should have. I just want you to offer me you. Give me you, all of you. And don't worry about what you look like. God is much less interested in what you look like than who you are. Because all we are is living stones being built up as a dwelling place for God, as a royal priesthood. Then look at this. For it stands in Scripture, in Isaiah 28, if y'all want to know where. Behold, I'm laying in Zion. Literally, the header in verse 15 says, a new cornerstone in Zion. Whew, so good. A cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe who trust in his name, who don't try to do it on your own. The stone that the builders rejected has become the, the cornerstone, the capstone, the sealer, the one that holds it all together. You wonder why the temple has fallen apart. And watch this. Let me just preach a little bit. And if you don't want it, you'll just have to sit there and listen, and then you don't have to listen anymore after that. You wonder why the capital C church and each local assembly doesn't look like it should look, and it's because we've tried to make anything and everything but the one cornerstone the thing that holds it all together. As if I'm the point. 
He said, the stone that the builders rejected, and I wonder this out loud, if you'll allow me, and you will. <laughs> he was certainly speaking of what Isaiah 28 was saying. But I wonder if he was also prophetic in this moment saying, yeah, but the church of 2018 is going to be doing the same thing. What are they going to be doing? They're going to be looking at the stone that is the stumbling block, the rock of offense, and they stumble because they disobey the word. Now, if we wanted to, we could get bogged down on this. We could get bogged down and say, so this is all about me being obedient. You could argue, yes, but it's not the obedience that we've made it. See, it's this simple. When I realize that this whole equation is about Jesus and Jesus alone, Christian, it's not about did you X or Y? Did you this? Did you this? All these sins that we start looking at and going, ugh, I'm just judging your fruit and I'm judging my fruit and I'm seeing how good I am or seeing how bad I am. It's, it's as simple as this. Did I offer myself a living stone, a living sacrifice to God? Period. That's it. I am in sin if I'm standing on a stage preaching, y'all, but I'm not offering myself a living stone. Did you hear what I just said? I don't care how many boxes we check. If you spend an hour in prayer and an hour in the Word, but you walk out and you say, you don't get this stone. I need you to come beside me and do what I need you to do. No, 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 no. Sin is, I'm not going to listen and offer myself to God. Whatever he says, I'll do it. Then that's sin. Whenever I choose to reject him, I stumble over the stone that should be my foundation and what holds me together. That's the problem is we can have full knowledge of God but not surrender and submit, yield under his authority every single day. And that's the hard thing about being a Christian is we have lots of knowledge, information. But we don't have a lot of living stones that are living sacrifices saying, whatever you say, I'll do. Whatever you say, I'll do. So why should it matter? God, it just makes so much more sense when you read the Bible like it's supposed to be read. Because then in verse 9, Peter describes you and I, and it is unbelievable. He said, no, listen. You're a chosen race. Do you know how jacked up the church has done over the years making this? We've argued that white It's comical. Jesus wasn't white. Jesus was brown. I've been to Israel several times. I've seen Arab people. I got bad news for some of you that think Jesus and Santa Claus look the same. Santa Claus is white. Jesus must have been too. I remember being at plays growing up and they'd have a black Jesus or a brown Jesus and people would get mad. Yeah. And I look back on it now and think Jesus wasn't American. <laughs> Some of y'all, I'm blowing y'all's minds right now. <laughs> Jesus looked like caramel. 
not white. So let me tell you the race that I'm a part of. Certainly, I'm, I'm pretty pasty white. If I get in the sun, I turn like a pinkish before I brown up any. But that is not my race because I have new wine flowing through me. So I'm not embarrassed to be white. I'm what I am. Who freaking cares? Listen to me. If you want to get offended, I'm going to give you plenty of opportunity the next 10 minutes. That ain't my race. I'm a part of a chosen race. I'm no longer what I was. I'm like you. We are the same. There are different callings. There are different offices. But I'm just like you. I'm a rock. I'm a stone of the Lord Jesus. I do not care what my last name is. I do not care what my skin tone is. I'm interested in the fact that I have one responsibility. Will I be built up in Christ Jesus and identify myself in what I am supposed to? We have identity crisis in this world today. We have LGBT versus this versus that. Here's the one thing that matters. Christians, if we would identify ourselves as free people in Christ Jesus that are chosen to be his race, we wouldn't argue over the stupid things like Republican and Democrat that we argue because that does not matter. I get so frustrated looking at social media, looking at all these things. I get so frustrated. I look and go, are you serious? We are arguing over whether a president is right or wrong. I prayed for President Obama. I prayed for President Trump. And I'll pray for the next one. I don't care. Why? Because I'm part of your race. I'm the chosen race. I am a royal priesthood. What does that mean? It means that I'm no more priestly than you are. I'm going to say it again. Mark Pangle, the pastor of this church, is not more priestly than you. I may have an office that I am grateful for that is a priestly office. But in the eyes of God, you are just as priestly as I am. What does that mean? It means that because you've trusted Jesus as Lord, you have access and authority and right to enter the throne room of God. I'm preaching right now that there is no one who has more access, that, that whenever I start feeling good about myself because of my calling, I've missed the fact that I'm chosen as a race, that I have a royal priesthood, that, I'm not, that my calling doesn't supersede the fact that I'm in Christ Jesus. And that each one of us have access to the throne room. Watch this, this is gonna blow some of your minds. You don't need me to pray. I will pray if you ask me to, but you don't need me to pray for you. You don't need me to pray for you. You don't need me. How do I know that? Because you get to go with God. You have access where it's you and God in the dwelling place. You get to experience life in his name. Watch this. I'm going to preach right now. If this is the only time that you feel the presence of God, you've missed it all. This should be a time. I am going to preach the paint off the walls right now. This should be a time that all of us who have been in the presence of God get together and the overflow gets crazy in here. That should be what takes place. But here's what we miss. We think that it's Shannon's job to sing good enough so the presence of God comes in. The only thing that's our job is that we get to access and together experience the presence. But you're a royal priest. You sit in a priestly seat, Christian. 
Oh my goodness, I ain't got time to preach what I want to preach. I got so much. I feel the Lord in this place right now. I'm thankful for America. I want y'all to hear this clearly when I'm about to say. Thankful. I'm thankful that I can say whatever I want, even if it was ridiculously dumb and I would not get arrested for it. But I want to declare to the world and to the 200-something people in this room right now, this ain't my nation. When I declare one nation under God, I'm speaking of the kingdom nation. I'm speaking of the fact that I'm a colony that is from heaven colonizing this place called earth. I happen to be in the upstate of South Carolina right now, but wherever I go and whatever I do, my nation is not earth. My nation is not America. My nation is not another country. I'm from the nation of heaven colonizing this earth. That is the nation that each one of you are from that call yourselves Christians. I don't want to go to heaven yet. I want to to bring heaven to earth. How do you know? What do you mean? I mean that I'm just a stone and together we're being built up line upon line, precept upon precept, building God houses in integrity being built up. And the nation that I want the world to experience is freedom in Christ Jesus. And then Peter does something so fascinating to me. He gives us this picture of what we're supposed to do each day. That when we're being built up together, holding each other's weight, helping each other through, not believing that this brick, this stone is more valuable than this one. All we do is proclaim the excellencies of Jesus who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That's it. That whenever I start looking and saying, no, no, I don't like this one. We missed the point. So here's how I want to close this message. I want to give you the keys and put them in your hand of what it means to be a living stone in Christ Jesus. I want to give you the opportunity to see for yourself how you become a stone. Because it was pretty simple back in Roman days. It was a process. Someone say process. It was a process. It was a process. It was all it meant to be a living stone. Everybody would have understood what a stone was, why? Because the temple was built, watch this, out of two ton, 4,000 pound limestones. These massive stones that you can still see some of the original stones of the temple today when some of y'all come with me someday to Jerusalem. Some of y'all have been. Here's what's cool. Today, the brick making process is much different than it was back then, but I don't know if y'all know this, but the Bible wasn't written today. Y'all with me? Paul wrote in the Roman times, so I decided to look up how you made bricks in the Roman times. Very simple. Four-part process. First part was soil. It's clay. The Bible says that he is the potter, but we are the clay. That each one of us are like Adam, 
who was made from the dust of the ground and God breathed his life into it. You don't have to be a Christian for this to be true. You just have to be a human. And to the best of my knowledge, I see Walford back there. I see everybody. I'm pretty sure all of y'all are human. Y'all with me? Pretty sure everybody that I see is a human being. I don't see any aliens. I don't see any animals. Some of y'all might have a puppy in your purse, but I ain't seen them. We're all made from the dust of the ground. That's how we were created. You were made from your parents, but you were created in Christ Jesus before the foundations of the world from the dust of the ground. Everybody is part one. You don't have to believe a thing that I've said today to be part one, but that's where a lot of us stop. See, then, then the fun stops because part two is it had to go through a watering process because if you're just dust, you can't do anything with it. But until you become moldable clay, and clay doesn't really become clay until it becomes moldable, which happens, everybody say this, in the, number two, in the water. Do you know why we do baptism? We do baptism because Jesus modeled it for us and because it's our first responsibility once we're a follower of Jesus to tell the world, I'm set apart. I'm his. I'm no longer what I was. I'm his. When you are baptized in the body of Jesus Christ, the first step that we take is baptism by water to show the world that's a picture of what I was. I was dead, but I was buried in Christ Jesus and now I'm alive. So part two is water. I'm buried in Christ Jesus and the water begins to form and change me. But here's the problem with that. That's really good. And a lot of you are there today. Some of you have never been baptized. We got clothes for you. You need to get baptized today because some of y'all are still soil on the sidelines. But a lot of us want to be greatly used by God to offer our bodies as living sacrifices and we've stayed in the position of number two. Why? Because when number three happens, that Shannon literally sang about a few minutes ago, we run for the hills because we tell God stuff like this. Why is this happening to me, this pressure, I didn't ask for it. I thought if I followed Jesus, this stuff would go away. And the reality is, James chapter 1 says that the testing of our faith produces perseverance or steadfastness. And steadfastness, when it has time, produces perfection or maturity in Christ. That, that if I don't have time, after the clay has time, if it doesn't have time to go in the mold and have pressure seal it together, that it may look good, but what ends up happening, and I know a lot of you Christians could talk back to me right now if you were willing and say, I agree with you, pastor, that's my life, is we begin to look at God and say, I didn't think the pressure would be this strong. I didn't think that, that it would stay this long in the seal. I didn't think that I would be squeezed on every side like 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says. I didn't think it would be like this. I thought it would be my way. And we fail to realize we don't get to decide if it's going to be his way or my way because sometimes things go a different way than we thought it was going to go. But whenever I offer my body a living sacrifice, I'm not worried about whose way it's going to go. I'm worried about proclaiming the excellencies that I was in darkness and now I'm in light. So I embrace the trials. I don't, I don't complain constantly in the trials knowing that the testing of my faith is producing something that will outlast me. That I'm a living stone in Christ Jesus and the house that I'm building up is not just my own. It's one that I'm going to leave generation after generation after generation. And this is the most important thing that I had to say today. I feel a lot of us have been through testing because I'm looking at all of you in this room.
but the vast majority of people miss part number four. And if you don't go through the kiln, it never seals. That doesn't mean you're not saved. It means that you don't operate in the kingdom as a living stone every day. So you can operate saved and have heaven as your destiny, but never receive the kingdom here and now until you go through the kiln. Malachi 4 describes it as the refiner's fire, who every time it goes in the fire, every time that precious metal, that precious stone goes in the fire, impurities come up and are wiped away. And the goal of the refiner is so he can see himself in the reflection of that precious stone. Can I tell y'all something? The baptism of the Holy Spirit is literally the baptism by fire. Here's what John the Baptist said, I baptize by water, but someone's coming after me that's going to baptize by fire. His name's Jesus. In Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit fell, fire was above their head. That is literally the picture of what happens. All it means is, I get all the Holy Spirit I can get the day that I get saved. He gets all of me the day that I get baptized in Him. I no longer am my own. I was bought with a price, so I offer myself a living sacrifice. I don't know what position that you're in today, but the goal for each one of us is to realize this is who I am. Nothing more, nothing less than a living stone in Christ Jesus. But I can never be a stone that can be built on, that can be built up, and that can change the world until I go through the process of being a living stone. And I don't know what it is that's held you back. I don't know if it's the process of the pressure. I don't know if it's the pain that you've gone through because it's a painful process, y'all. Salvation is free, but this process is painful. But some of you in the process of becoming a living stone have gotten frustrated. You've looked around and said, I thought this would be more fun than this. I thought this was just a get out of hell free card. This ain't that. You are literally the ambassador of the King of Kings. You are literally a living stone and God has called you and set you apart to do exactly what he called you to do and to have people built on you and you built on them and ultimately be built in Christ Jesus. I don't know what process you've missed, but some of you need to do something about it today. And here's all you got to do. You don't need me. <laughs> because you have a high priest who is able to understand everything that you've ever been through and ever will, who is seated on the right hand of God right now. You just need to cry out to him and say in the middle of process number three, going through these trials, Jesus, I've walked away. In the middle of being saved, realizing that I was just dirt, but you came to redeem the dirt. You're attracted to the dirt. Why? Because you know that stone by stone, precept by precept, line by line, you're gonna build something that's bigger and better than we could ever imagine. He's not scared of you. He builds his kingdom on you. That some of you need to come back to God right now. That some of you need to experience the fire that is the true baptism of the Holy Spirit by simply yielding fully to him and saying, I want all that you've got. No turning back, no holding back. I yield myself to you fully and completely in the middle of this trial, in the middle of this pain in the middle of this storm. That's it. The only goal is to be the living stone that God's called me to be. Will you pray with me? 
Lord, help us realize that it's not about us and help us move and become exactly what you've called us to be. The living stones that build the temple, the true temple of you all around the world, most specifically in this room right now, we're all yours. God, give us the boldness to step out, to speak to our prayer team that'll be down front and in the back, to speak to some of us that are pastors and leaders and to say, I need help. I'm desperate for you. God, we celebrate that in a couple minutes, at least one person in this service is getting baptized and taking, showing a picture of part number two. And for every person that's far from you, we just ask you to move. We believe you draw people to yourself. And so we ask you to just draw people right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all stand and sing with us.